0: Welcome to Leap Listens, the employer branding podcast. I'm Sarah and I'm joined by my co-host, Roger. Hello. Leap Listens is brought to you by Leap Create, a dynamic people communications agency. Simon is an award-winning senior communications strategist and copywriter with over 20 years experience. He helps businesses and brands convey clear and purposeful messages, stand out and achieve results. Simon's expertise includes internal communications, employer branding and enhancing employee experiences. What sets him apart is his extensive experience, both in-house and agency side, delivering effective communication strategies, compelling copy and outstanding content. Welcome to the podcast, Simon.
1: Thank you very much, Sarah. Great to be here.
0: So, Simon, tell us about you and your career in employer branding.
1: Well, I actually started my career um, in internal communications. So that was where I spent the first part of my 20 plus years now in corporate communications. But my first employer brand role was in 2016 so i joined the global pharma company as their future talent communications manager and i actually spent most of my time with the talent acquisition team um, because they were developing the first ever evp and employer brand for that company so i was really helping them develop that positioning um, do the communications for that and then two years later i joined a multinational tech company as communications director there And that company was reviewing, obviously, the comms strategy, hence why I joined, but also their culture, their values, and aligned to all that, their employer brand. So, again, I kind of found myself at the center and the heart of employer brand and EVP work. And I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, So, actually, since 2021, I've been completely freelance as a communication strategist. And I've been helping a lot of my clients with employer value proposition and employer branding work. And I've, I've really seen that it's an area that is growing in demand. Um, and I, I really like it. So I help them with a range of, um, a range of clients, I should say, and help them with research, with development of the actual EVP and then writing the messaging and the content. So a bit of strategy and, uh, and also execution as well.
2: For companies who are starting out on this journey of employer branding, what are some of the common myths and misconceptions
1: that you've come across? So I think there are three really, Roger, that I come across most often. So the first of all is that you have to have a really strong consumer brand that the, the employer brand then has to align to and link to. Um, and that isn't the case. The second one I'd say is that it takes a long time. You know, as soon as people hear the word brand, they think of months and months of research. They think of methodologies. They might think of frameworks, depending on how familiar they are with brands but it kind of can seem quite big quite complex and then linked to that is number three which is it costs a lot of money so they assume it's going to be expensive um, because it's going to take a lot of time and also because there's a lot of things in there that they perhaps don't understand how they work so those are the three kind of common misconceptions i see the most that's great
0: Mm. so if you've got hr leaders, talent acquisition specialists, and employer branding experts um, who are wanting to establish their employer brand and make a quick start on that. What are some of the practical tips or strategies that they can implement?
1: So I think the first thing to say is there is a lot of stuff that you can do fairly quickly, fairly cheaply. Um, So, you know, for example, I would start with desktop research. You know, most organizations are sitting on a huge amount of data, more than they've ever had Previously, you know, you've got engagement surveys, you've got exit interviews, you've got um, time to hire, cost to hire stats. You know, you've got your glass door rating. You can look at what your competitors are doing. So all that desktop research aligned to that and really close, uh, closely following that you can do some focus groups. They can be quick. They can be dirty. They don't have to be, you know, formal gatherings of huge numbers of people. But you can do little focus groups um, online these days. It's, It's easy to do. Just making sure that you know you've got things like a range of levels, a range of tenures, ages, maybe even targeting this particular type of talent that you need. But again, in my experience, focus groups can be you know can be quick. They can be dirty. People generally are want to help with the employer brand. They find it interesting, and I think you know they will give their time to you. So I think that's the first thing that I could say. The second thing is that these days you know there is a lot of people out there that can support with whether that's communications, whether that's copywriting, but getting some employer value proposition out there for you, getting some key messages together, so just so you 've got some consistency around the story that you 're telling um, and then I would say just just start being agile you know just just start getting some content out there testing it so you know can you put some different messaging on for example your LinkedIn job ads? can you put a little bit of different copy on your career site you know just testing iterating adapting you know to the point i made earlier. it doesn't have to be this long long process that gets drawn out for months and months you know and then see what's working what isn't so if it's working stick with it do more of it if it isn't change it and adapt so i think there are some things that you can just practically and tactically get going without waiting for permission or waiting for you know the organization to get itself ready because it, it you never be ready you know <laughs> That's that's the simple fact.
0: (laughs) That's the thing. And going back to your point about, you know, debunking the myths and the misconception about you have to have a huge budget and it's going to be a really long research project before you can do any type of communications, um, social posts and EVP, that type of thing. And like you say, that just isn't the case.
1: No. I mean, the thing is you've got an employer brand anyway, whether you like it or not. So, you know, your your talent acquisition team, yeah. your recruiters are out there, they're talking to candidates each day, they're posting on socials, you've got glass door reviews. So, you know, you can get out there and start managing that and owning that. And like I say, your internal communications team, you might have a, a comms team there that can help you with a bit of resource, with a bit of messaging, just to kind of make sure that it's aligned to what you're hearing from candidates and also the type of talent that you want to attract. So what's exciting for me about this space is you can be agile. You know, I, I think with consumer brands and corporate brands, You do have to tread a bit more carefully sometimes. Um, They tend to involve a lot more stakeholders, certainly at senior levels. I think with employer branding and EVP, you've got a bit more of an opportunity to, I wouldn't say go under the radar, but start to just do stuff and be a bit more agile and iterate as you go, rather than um, waiting for everything to be perfect.
2: Yeah, and I've got a couple of questions related to this, but I'll, I'll start with the the first one <laughs> and and you're absolutely right I think when you say that you have a employer brand whether you like it or not even if you've got no real presence that's still a statement about who you are which I think is interesting but I suppose we're talking about starting a kind of formal process where you're yeah. you're being considered about the activity that you're doing so what are some of the challenges and obstacles that you face when you are starting that process and how might you overcome some of the the classics so I think one of the key
1: things they come up against is, you know, thinking of through the stakeholder piece that you just talked about there. There's tends to be this lack of, I'd say, clarity around ownership of the employer brand and accountability. And that has massive problems further downstream, um, which I see all the time. So that is a problem. So what I always encourage my clients that I work with to do is get a stakeholder map together really quickly. Um, I'm really early on in the process, just to be really clear around, you know, who is, who is actually the budget holder, who's going to approve this, you know, who is going to make decisions about this so that you don't kind of get those arguments further down. Just to interrupt you there on that, who have you found that is? Because that's quite a
2: common question, isn't it? It's like who owns the employer brand. So in your experience, where have you seen that
1: exist? Yeah, I mean. I've seen it a few times and you are quite right, because what comes back is, you know, everybody owns the employer brand, right? Or it's a bit like culture. Everybody owns it. But typically it's either the head of talent acquisition or the head of HR for those organizations who maybe don't have particularly developed talent acquisition function. But yeah, either head of talent acquisition or head of HR uh, or chief people officer, depending on where you want to put that. But typically TA is the is the main area that it sits.
2: Excellent. And you uh, I think I did interrupt you. You were talking about some of the challenges that you typically face in getting that stakeholder map together.
1: It's it's not necessarily about getting it together. I think it's more about being really clear about who makes a decision, who needs to review and then who activates. Because one of the challenges you have sometimes with employer branding is that you get quite senior people deciding things, but actually... At the cold face, it's going to be your recruiters. It's gonna be potentially your recruitment marketers if you've got them, your internal comms team who often get forgotten in this mix. But you know, when you're talking about employee advocacy, when you're talking about getting your own people on board, then you need those comms uh, internal people on track as well with you. So it's just, it doesn't have to be again a long exercise. You can do this fairly easily and fairly simply, but just being clear around, okay, this person's a decision maker. This is someone who's probably gonna need to see this. And then this is someone who's actually going to use the brand, right? That we're actually asking them to do something with it, um, because otherwise, what happens is you get a bit of a mess, and you have to untangle it later, or simply the employer brand doesn't get activated. You know, because I, I was talking to a, an authority on on employer brands, and they told me that fifty percent of employer brands don't get activated; they don't get out of the gate. <laughs> Now, there's a number of reasons for that, but I do believe, having seen this in a few organizations myself as well, that one of the prime reasons is this kind of lack of clarity around ownership, around accountability, around dependencies, around who's doing what with it. And it it just falls through the cracks, basically. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And how do you um that from happening? How can you activate
1: it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question, Sarah. So. I think the first thing to do once you've got that map is actually when you're putting it together, even is being really ruthless with it. You know, there's a tendency with brands for everybody to think that everyone needs to have a view and weigh in on an opinion. Um, And they don't. You know, they're not the people that are going to use it. They're not the experts. So it's being really clear on who needs to who needs to actually have a view on this, who needs to give feedback, approve and who actually, you know, can we just you know, we don't really need to take their opinion on board. We might show them, but actually we're the experts. We're the people that that know what this is really trying to do. I think next to that, I'd say get in there early with any stakeholder engagement. So even before you might have a budget or an approval for it, you know, what you can do is actually start talking to some of those stakeholders that you think you're going to need to to get on side and just start having conversations with them about what is it you're trying to do and why, because you'll tend to find that then, other people are trying to solve the same problem you know they're also going well actually we don't have enough talent in this particular area or you know we've got a problem with attrition and actually what you're all trying to do is you know is make the company more attractive um and maintain the engagement of the talent so you actually want an employer brand for all of your purposes but people are coming at it sometimes in a fragmented way so i think yeah being really ruthless getting in there early and Just being clear on your story. I mean, you you know, you spoke about storytelling before. It's about being clear on what is an employer brand there to do and why. And then I think, you know, you should be then in a better position to start work on it.
2: And inevitably, if it is a sort of more formal process that you're following, some of those stakeholders are going to be talking about budgets and return on investment. Yeah. So what's your experience in the measurement and evaluation of employer branding? So, I mean, there's
1: two sides to this. So, so, there is the quantitative side to this, which is, you know, you you can very clearly show, you know, ROI in terms of how much does it cost you to bring talent in, um, how long is it taking. You've got things like your glass door score, you know, very visible. You've got EMPS. Uh, you can very easily see your attrition rates these days. Um, you can look at employee referrals. So, is your brand working to the extent that actually your people are recommending you? Um, candidate experience surveys, which are becoming more and more prevalent, which is great. So you can actually track, you know, what's happening to a candidate before and then during the application process and then afterwards. So that's really, really useful sense of data. So all of those quantitative things are really, really useful. But I think it's also important to have some qualitative metrics as well. So actually looking, you know, talking to business stakeholders the so hiring managers usually, what is the quality of the hires and the candidates that you're getting in? You know, are you getting a different level of quality? Are you getting the type of people that you want in? Not just, you know, skills, but also the attitude. That's the whole, you know, the cultural point that we're talking about with an employer brand. Um, and talking to your talent acquisition and recruitment team because their jobs should ultimately be getting easier if you're doing, you know, DVP and the employer brand, right? So are they finding that, for example, the candidates that are coming through are a little bit more pre-qualified because They've seen the employer brand. They've made a choice. They know what they're signing up for. So you can start to get to a conversation a lot quicker about the actual role rather than having to sort of explain who the company is, why you exist, your culture, your values, etc. So I think there's a bit of a mix of quantitative and qualitative to give you a, a full rounded picture. So that's, that's what I've got experience of. Yeah, And I've, you know, they all tell a different story. Um, but together they do give you a really interesting holistic picture, depending on which stakeholder wants, you know, what they're turned on by, right? Some want very hard numbers, financial numbers, and some want actually, well, I'm more concerned about the culture. So actually I want a different type of talent and I want different people coming into the organization. So it depends also on the maturity and the needs of uh, the organization.
0: Yeah, it's a really great point actually, because one size doesn't fit all. And like you say, a lot of companies aren't going to have those different data points to them at hand so it's a it's really interesting how it can be so different depending on where you are so with our other guests we talk a lot about storytelling how important is this in creating an employer brand
1: Mm. it's massive i mean i think storytelling is is huge and it has a number of use cases i guess in the employer brand evp space so first of all to the point i was making earlier it's really Important that you tell a story to your senior execs about why you're doing this. You know, what actually is an employer brand? Because they might confuse it with consumer brand or corporate brand. They might, you know, they might not know anything about this space. So you have to tell a story about what this is, why it's important. And you have to give specifics because it does have a different nuance and purpose to, to the other brands. You have to tell stories, obviously to the talent that you want, right? Um, and you know, people want to see people like them. So the best way to do that is to tell stories. Um, so when you're putting messages on social or you're putting videos or you're doing your careers site or whatever it is you're doing, you know, if you might be on TikTok, the stories that you're telling through that, that's really the way that you're gonna bring the employer brand to life far more than any messaging framework, message house that I may deliver for you. That's not the employer brand. The employer brand is then taking that and making sure it's useful on the channels that you're using to, to bring people in. And then I think the third that gets forgotten a lot is um, internal communications as well. You know, these you need to be telling stories to your people, right? It's not just about attracting them into the organization. It's also about retaining them, keeping them engaged, showing them that you're doing the work still. You know, it's not just something that you only care about them when they're a candidate. You actually care about them when they're an employee as well. So it's using those stories to kind of highlight what's great about working there. You know, we are a great place to work. This is why. Um, because the more people see that from people that are already there, the more then that's going to sort of have that virtual circle effect on, on attracting more candidates in. So, yeah, telling stories is absolutely crucial in all of these cases for the employer brand.
2: Yeah, I think I probably add to that, telling true stories, I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's a massively overused word of authenticity. But, yes, telling, telling your own, telling stories through your own people is very, very important. Yeah, definitely.
2: Uh, The reason I mentioned that is just because I think if you are telling stories externally that aren't congruent with people's experience internally, then I think that doesn't serve your employer brand very well.
1: Yeah. And that's why there's sometimes a tension with that internal communications team, right? Because they're trying to hold that conscience of the organization sometimes, and they want to make sure that whatever you are saying from an employer value proposition is lived internally. So they're, they're trying to reconcile that. So that's why I said they're such an important stakeholder and they've got to tell stories as well. And like you say, they've got to be resonating. So they've got to be true. Otherwise, it's yeah, you're going to get found out. And, and these days you're going to get found out a lot quicker because, you know, you've got so many more avenues now for employees to register their disharmony or their discontent. And, you know, it, it's a bit of a um, a minefield. So you you have to be true to you know, your people have to be telling the stories for you not you
2: thank you Simon. Well look, you've got obviously such a clear depth of knowledge so i feel like we've literally just scratched the surface of all the things that you yeah. could have told us <laughs> but we do like to keep this bite-sized. so our final question which we like to ask all i guess is to see if they've got any current reads or listens that they would
1: recommend so i've got this yeah this is a book called made to stick by chip and dan heath and they've also got another book called The Power of Moments. So really, to the point we just made about storytelling, very good theories and practical guides as to why do some stories stick in people's minds and others not? And then how do you actually create moments that really s- solidify those stories as well? So both really good books, but yeah, Made to Stick is the one that I'm reading at the moment. And I think there's a lot in there for people that are doing employer brand and EVP work because it is a moment in time. Um, so how do you really make it stand out and attractive? So well worth a read both of those. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Simon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Roger. Thank you, Sarah.
0: Thanks
2: for listening. For more expert insights, check out our other bite-sized episodes, perfect for micro learners and those with a short attention span, just like me. And if you're in employer branding and recruitment marketing, you might be interested in our monthly EB meetups. Just search eb meetup on linkedin and join our community for anything else contact us via leapcreate.co.uk see you next time